people went crazy over over Jordan stuff, man. Yeah, no doubt, man. All right, guys, you guys have a great show, man. Um, thank you guys for tuning into Chaos Theory and the rest of Texas Sports Unfiltered. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Welcome. Yeah. Good show, boys. See you, boys. <clears throat> All right, it's only an hour. Jeff Howe, Jordan Scruggs. Jordan's busier than a one-armed paper hanger with portal stuff going on. Uh, has anything dropped since the Andrew McCuba news, or or am I am I caught up? Because I just had a had a doctor's appointment, so. Oh, uh, that's the the biggest name as of this morning. That's entered this morning. Okay. Um, oh, Trey Moore from UTSA was pretty big. Um, okay. He had a pretty solid year. I think he had over ten sacks. Oh, uh, I'm right, just looking yeah. at. Oh wow. Oh wait, that's a different person than I thought. Never mind. <laughs> I was like, wow, what the hell is he doing in the portal? And I'm like, oh, never mind. Let's see. Trey Moore finished with uh, 14 hey. in the regular season. I guess I kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I guess. Do you, you want to start it off, I guess, talking yeah. about the two guys who left from Texas? Yeah, so and I think that ties into the Andrew McCuba news, too. So Jalen Catalan's done. Xavier Bryce is done. The Xavier Bryce thing didn't surprise us, I mean, we were prepared for it because you had heard about that. You told me about that, shoot, Jordan, probably about a week ago, maybe, that Xavier Bryce was was headed to the portal. And it makes sense. The numbers at corner, the guys in front of him, uh, if he wants to play, probably needs to find somewhere else to uh, to apply his craft. Jalen Catalan thing is interesting uh, because he did have the option to come back. He was scheduled to participate in senior night for the Texas Tech game. He didn't. He ended up not doing it. So he's in the portal, but, you know, we talked about it yesterday, Jordan. We've been talking a lot about it just with, with Kobe Black and it may, and maybe he transitions from corner to safety. I know he has played some, played some safety for Connolly this year and we got him listed as a safety in the database and, and Hudson Stan just gave a really good explanation of why he was moved to safety. So uh, I can reference that at horse 24 seven if you need to, but uh, uh, Mike Roach reported, he, I think this was on Sunday uh, that uh, Xavier Philosami, his uh, his uh, Philosami, his visit, his official visit. Jordan, I know you were told initially that it was tentatively scheduled for that December eighth weekend. Mike reported that that is locked in for the following weekend, the fifteenth through the seventeenth. So, not gonna really, not gonna belabor the point here. Some y'all owe Jordan an apology. Him reporting on the official visit didn't ruin Texas's chances or anything. Um, don't worry, Jordan. The same thing happened to Mike a couple cycles ago with Terrence Brooks. Oh, you're gonna ruin it. You're reporting a visit. Well, knowing who told Mike, Mike had Mike was well within his rights to report that, and obviously it didn't hurt Texas with Terrence Brooks. But I digress. Um, yeah, while so we're on that topic, I would just like to say that like um, I reported those dates because the person that told me has literally never been wrong and has helped me break a lot of other stories. So that's yeah. why I felt good enough about it. Um, Actually, whenever I talked to his dad, uh, he was like, how do you find this out? And, you know, I said it came from basically what I just said. Like, it came from a trusted source that's never been wrong, never given me a reason. He's like, well, dude, like, no one even knows about it. Like, the dates were correct as of that morning. Like, him and his dad and I were communicating. The dates were definitely correct. He told me then they might move it. I said, that's fine. Uh, and, like, I, I know how it is, man, like, people getting upset or, or whatnot. Like, I, I understand it. And I understand it comes with the territory. Like, I understand it. You have all the right to get mad at me and express your First Amendment. Um, luckily, being the youngest of seven kids and a twin, I have pretty thick skin. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for taking the heat. I understand it. Um, yeah, Phil Smee is going to come in the 15th to the 17th. Uh, he has that weekend open because McKinney's out of the playoffs. Um, that weekend is state championship weekend. Is why I said that. Um, but yeah, man, I as of right now, I really do think Texas is going to end up signing Phil Uh I feel confident enough to say that. Crystal balls could be a little tricky with this one, um, just because there's a lot, I guess, going on. Um, so I'm not sure if I'll be able to put in a crystal ball. I really am not sure. Oh, but hey. as of right, as of yeah. right now. I would. I think I feel really good about Texas's chances of getting Phil Smith. I want to. I, really I want to expand on that. I'll, I'll come back to safety in a minute because we talked about Phil Smith and Kobe Black. Texas looking really good with both of those guys right now. Uh, and Phil Smith is technically still committed to Florida. 
as of right now. Hadn't hadn't backed off of that commitment publicly. But Texas, obviously, as we said, looking good for both those guys. So I'll get back to safety in a minute. Crystal ball is one of those things that uh, I don't know. Some some fans love it. Some fans don't like it. What when when do you? Because I think the crystal ball protocol has changed. I think early on, and you went through some of this, uh, some of the old picks. You know, back looking at some of my picks when we first launched crystal ball. Shoot, it's been almost 10 years now that we've had that crystal ball product at 24-7 Sports. But I think people would just put in picks sometimes just for the sake of putting in a pick, hoping you were right. There's a little more of a science to it now, a little more rationale to it now. When do you decide, all right, I'm going to put in a crystal ball prediction for this guy? Whoever Um, Yeah, a a lot of it's different um, with a lot of it's just situational stuff. Like, for example, uh, the kid I went and saw – uh, this last Friday, Jackson Christian at Port Nature Scrolls. I've put in a Texas pick for him, I think, in October. Uh, he's a 2025 offensive lineman. He, like, the, <laughs> I'm probably not going to be able to write a, a story about him based off my interview with him just because he's so focused on PNG in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, that he was like, yeah, you know, I like Texas a lot, but I like every question he redirected it back. So I was just like, okay, man. But like for him, he's not close to making a decision. He hasn't given a silent commitment, but Texas is just out by a mile by in front of everyone for him. So like, I think he's going to end up at Texas. So I put in the right. pick. I like where they stand. Uh, one thing that I was going to write about sometime today, uh, I know Elko is going by the school. At PNG sometime this week, and probably AM is he's the type of guy who should have an AM offer. Like Texas is his only major power five offer, which is another reason why, like, I feel good about it. Because watching him play, he's a guy who leaves school with 20 plus, right? So mm-hmm. Texas getting in early now only helps him, and it's only going to help him down the road, which is why I felt good enough putting in the pick. Um, but he's a guy who I could also see AM, like kids from Southeast Texas profile to Texas AM much more than they do to Texas and specifically him, like his family, his whole family. I got a lot of family down there. So I kind of understand the lay of the land pretty well in Southeast Texas, but his whole family works in refineries, man. You know, he's, he's blue collar through and through. And those kids is profiled at A&M a lot more than Texas. And that, that's just the facts. Um, mm-hmm. So will I maybe end up backing off that pick and putting in an A&M one if they end up taking the lead over Texas? Probably. Um, could I end up sticking it through and Texas ends up getting them in a year from now? Probably. You know, we don't know. So there, there's certain crystal balls like that. There's also the ones like, I mean, y'all know how it works. Like we hear that kids give silent commitments. We put in a pick. I mean, everyone everyone already kind of knows that. You know, I don't, I don't think it's really revealing any secrets there. Um, but, you know, if the way I kind of try to set myself up to cover these recruitments. Um, sweet. Just got my credentials approved for Cibolo Steel Summer Creek. Um, but no, I, I try to set myself up to uh, know where the recruitment's going before official visits mm-hmm. are taken. Now, OVs obviously do change a lot of things. But, um, you know, usually before it's silent commitment time of the year, we already got a pretty good idea where these guys are going who they could be wanting to silent commit to. So, um, you know, there's crystal balls, like in the Jackson Christian scenario, I explained first, and there's also the ones where it's, hey, we get a call, this kid's committing at 6, it is 4.30 right now. Um, and then it's like, okay, scramble, put in the story, we're going to write the commitment story right now. Or scramble, put in the crystal ball, we're going to write the story right now, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh <laughs> I was just going to ask you something about crystal ball, but I, I totally just lost my train of thought because I looked at something in the chat. So that was uh, my bad. My bad for spacing out on that. All right. So I just want to get your take on crystal balls real quick. Uh, so we talked about Xavier Bryce and Jalen Catalan entering the portal. Yeah, I do want to say. Go for it. Uh, they knew about Bryce. Catalan, they were pretty surprised about. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I'm talking about the staff. And mm-hmm. Because for the record, we we had heard, like I said, you had told me about Bryce about a week ago that that was looking like it was going to happen. None of us, I can honestly say this, none of us as a group, as a staff in our text, our communications had heard anything about Catalan. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
Shit, man. About two weeks ago, I, I wrote down a list in my phone of probably about, I don't know, like two and a half dozen names of guys who I could see maybe entering or like just to like keep watching on. And he was on there, but like, in my opinion, he probably like the second least likeliest guy whenever I first made it. At least those are my mm-hmm. thoughts. Um, and uh, with, with Xavier and Bryce, it's just he understood the situation. The staff was pretty honest with him about it, and he appreciated that. Um, but, you know, luckily for Xavier and Bryce, whenever you go to a school like Texas, even if you don't play, coming out of a school like Texas, you're going to have a lot of opportunities. Um, for sure. And for him right now, it's looking like he'll find a home at TCU. Um, if it's not TCU, I'd assume SMU, and if it's somehow not those two, it's going to be UNT. At least that's how it's looking right now and talking with the source that was keeping me in the loop with him the past few weeks. Um, but yeah, Catalan, they were they were surprised about it. Um, a lot of these schools, like like for example, I have I know someone who has a source in the TCU compliance department, and I also have sources on the TCU staff. And I'll have someone text me that hey, this guy just met with compliance to submit his name to the portal. And then I text the TCU staff, holy shit, y'all are losing such and such to the portal? And they're like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? So yeah, a lot of these compliance staffs at school are, they either, I mean, there's a lot of power tripping going on and working in sports 1,000%. So it could be some of that. It could be maybe they don't feel like they have to talk to them or maybe there's beef there. I'm not sure. But I do know that there's a lot of times and these guys will show up in the portal before the coaches know about it. Um, mm-hmm. Drew Makuba, for example, um, I've been able to talk to like most of my sources who I think will be able to help me out in covering Drew's recruitment out of the portal. Um, but I did talk to some sources at Clemson this morning asking like, hey, what the hell is going on up there? Um, and they were all the, the two people I talked to at Clemson were very surprised that he was leaving in the portal um because i'm like wow what happened with drew and it's like what do you mean and i'm like he's in the portal and their reaction was he's in the portal i was like yeah (laughs) he is i think it's i think they're like we thought he was going to the nfl and i was like i think everyone thought that (laughs) because i think i think what's worth what's worth mentioning too, kind of to reinforce what you're talking about the, the thing that the, where the transfer portal has changed things is, by the way, I've got my cup here. I'm just drinking tea, so I don't know what do you think I'm drinking like anything nefarious. <laughs> my, or my cup from the last year of the Irvine Center, by the way. Um, the, where, where the portal has changed things, it used to be if you wanted to transfer, you told your coach, and then there could be ways that, you know, maybe they could talk you out of it or whatever. Or, oh, why don't you, you know, or if you do transfer, well, you know, yeah, you can transfer, but you can't play anybody that's going to be on our schedule and we can block you from your schools within the conference or whatever. The transfer portal has eliminated that part of it in terms of restricting kids from where they can go. Now, uh, to get released from your scholarship, all you've got to do is notify compliance. And then once you notify compliance, they have 48 hours to put your name in the portal. They don't have to, to Jordan's point, they don't have to tell anybody. They don't have to tell the coaches. They don't, they don't have to tell, you know, Bob sitting two desks down or <laughs> that's filing paperwork or whatever. It's just, hey, this kid submitted his name. All right, we got 48 hours to put it in the portal. That's pretty much all you do. And like you said, Jordan, I mean, some, some schools have a better relationship with their compliance department than other schools do. But I think as many, as many staffs as you hear getting blindsided, I think that tells you in general what the relationship is between the football staff and the compliance department by and large and compliance compliance department had they they have to be a-holes to do their job right because you got to make sure everything's above board but andrew mccuba entering the portal this is one of those deals jordan i'd heard a lot of buzz at this time last year about him potentially going into the portal and and not necessarily i had one person tell me that they were sure if he had if he had gone into the portal it was going to be texas but just a uh, chatter that he was thinking about entering the portal. Anyway, that never materialized. But now that he's in the portal, Texas has a need for safeties. Jamal Fenner is high school coach at LBJ, is Sark's director of high school relations. Um, it, it makes it makes too much sense if he does find another destination that you know for it makes too much sense for him to end up in Texas. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, no, I mean, again, I haven't talked to anyone near Drew or any sources near Drew or anything like that. Um, since the news is broken, to be honest, I wasn't told about it. I, I was pretty surprised. I think off what I know about uh, Drew and everything, I feel like this is something that a decision was made in the last 24 hours. Um, now, it might have been something they were planning about and we're just keeping it that quiet. You know, can't rule that out either, but... I think it was something that was decided pretty quickly. Um, mm -hmm. While I think Texas, you know, for obvious reasons, is going to be in it or thought to be in it or whatnot, I think OU also, you know, Venables is who recruited him to Clemson. And, yeah. you know, they're going to lose Billy Bowman to the draft. I'm, I assume he's going to leave. Um, and, I mean, while OU is starting to have their team actually look like what Venables wants it to look like, they, he's still an upgrade to what they have. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I think the safety room and the, the safety situation at Texas, like he would have much more, um, there'd be more opportunities there. But I mean, at the same time, like he can go play anywhere in the country. He's that type of good. Yeah. One thing I'm worried about is maybe injuries for him. Um, Cause he, he has had a fair amount of injuries in his time at Clemson, but I mean, dude, he's, he's an upgrade over anything Texas has. And, I don't think that's even questionable. No, I mean, because you're looking at, you know, Jaron Thompson moving on, Keaton Crawford moving on. I mean, you're looking at your safety, your starting safety tandem going into spring ball. I think almost by default, it's Derek Williams and, and Michael Taft. Probably with, I mean, I, I, I don't know if B.J. Allen and or Larry Turner Gooden are going to be back, but, you know, you're looking at those two guys. You're looking at maybe some, some freshmen. You know, Warren Roberson's a guy that um, – Assuming you know something happens where he doesn't feel the need to go into the portal, if he's back, you know, he's a guy that could be a corner, could be a safety. I think they just want to try to get him on the field somewhere. You know, Jelani McDonald. Uh, I, I don't. Jordan, that's, it's interesting about Jelani McDonald. While I'm thinking about it, I, I don't know if long term, if if safety is really where he he profiles best. Um, if his body starts to fill out and all of a sudden he's you know, 220 pounds, 225 pounds, man, spin him down to linebacker. And, and let him be an off-ball linebacker because the body type would definitely be there. So I don't know if long-term Jelani McDonald is a safety, but that's where he's at right now. But, yeah, to your point, man, the path to playing time at Texas is for a for a power five program coming off of a, a playoff appearance, the, the, playing, the, the path to playing time is pretty damn easy. It's pretty damn clear. I don't want to yeah. say easy. It's not as easy, but it's it's much clearer at Texas than it is at a lot of other places. Yeah, um, it is. And another thing, too, like, this is another thing I want to talk about that I think could help uh, Texas for sure in recruiting um, Drew out of the portal. Uh, him and Jade are real tight. Um, played mm -hmm. on the same seven-on-seven -seven program a tiny bit. Um, Drew played with the Dallas-based program, and Judd A was playing with Austin-based program. Um, but they know each other pretty well, and like you know, y'all talked about, I'm a pretty big fan of Judd A and what he brings to the program as kind of an ambassador of it. Um, and I think he'll for sure help. Another thing, him and Michael Taft know each other quite well. They have the same yep. trainer, um, and you know, I think that's also helping in Texas's favor. Uh, another thing is just that <laughs> it's a new staff at Texas. Um, I know I know it's obvious, but I can tell you with fact right now, while Texas was in Drew McCuba's top three out of high school with LSU and Clemson, he was never, ever, 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 ever going to Texas as long as Herman's there. In yeah. fact, his original recruitment, he uh, it was during COVID, so it was a lot of people forget how wild like recruiting was during COVID and the guys couldn't visit or anything. Um, and he was going to Clemson. He had finally committed um, for about a week the day before they're going to announce it. He got a lot of second thoughts because he's like, shit, man, I don't want to be this far from my family. I don't know if they can make it up there. Kind of hard to get up there. Mm -hmm. All that. Um, and so because of that, he called LSU and committed to LSU and was committed to LSU like overnight for 12 hours. And then <laughs> a few hours before it came down to post the graphic, um, 
he sat down with his family or his family actually sat him down and told him, listen, Drew, like, we're not going to be the ones wearing the uniform, hitting people, doing all this up there every day. It's you. So, like, you need to make the decision for you and yourself and not for us. You can't involve yeah. us here. So he said, okay, and went back to Clemson a few hours later, committed to Clemson publicly. That's how it went. But I can t say with confidence, Texas was only included in the top three to include Texas in the top three. The way yeah. Texas handled the recruitment of him and Latrell McCutcheon, while I think it could have been better on both sides for McCutcheon and uh, like I think the Texas staff could have handled it better. And I think McCutcheon and maybe McCuba could have handled it, handled it better. But Texas completely just, sorry for my French, but fucked that whole thing up. They just <laughs> did. Um, that was the old staff and they just like, they messed it all up. I don't, it, really no point of going into detail, but I don't want to say, like, if uh, <laughs> if for some reason Tom Herman was ever still coaching at Texas or anyone from that staff, like, they'd have a better shot of offering me a scholarship out of the portal than Makuba. <laughs> um, because, like, people were like, Texas never offered Latrell McCutcheon. They did, and he told them to go F themselves whenever they actually, I'm serious, he told them to go F themselves whenever they actually offered him because it took so long. And then his trainer made him post it anyways. Just like, dude, it's an effing Texas offer. Like, just post it. Yeah. That's what he did. But, but yeah, a lot of great, a lot of great Herman stories from his uh, from his time in in Austin. Um, Man, I, uh, I, you know, the Hermans, the the Herman staff definitely did that. It's usually at the end, right, when staff start messing it up. Uh, the Charlie Strong staff, and it's always that last cycle too, like. The Charlie Strong staff, the ones that were really messed up were uh, in that 2017 class. You know, they completely botched Jeff Okuda's recruitment. Uh, mm -hmm. They completely botched the, like, then there was a, <laughs> how can I say this nicely? There was a lot of effort put into botching the J.K. Dobbins recruitment, if that makes any sense. Like, you had to try really hard to not get J.K. Dobbins to come to Texas. And, I mean, I, I'm not going to share everything J.K. told me about that deal, but, it, yeah, it was, it was rough. Hey, I, I'm a big-time uh, J.K. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of any of the kids that come out of the Grange. Because um, I, I like the coaches over there briefly talking with them, and I love Bravion Rogers, and uh, I'm forgetting his name, Jaron Woods. Who is they had a D lineman go to Baylor last year. I doubt anyone knows who the hell I'm talking about. But um, J.K. Dobbins, fun fact: guess where he was actually supposed to be and drove from every day to get to the Grange? No idea. Giddings. Really? Yeah, I believe they're the Buffaloes. Yes. Um, how far? How far is that drive? What's that drive? I'm getting to the Grange. Shit, man, far. I had to drive through Giddings, bro. I, this is a crazy story. I should have talked about it yesterday. There was hey, Jordan, a hold on, hold that, hold that thought. Y'all, y'all in the chat, um, knock it off. Like the political talk, just, just not. I don't know how to ban anybody from the chat, but it's distracting and it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Just knock it off, please. So anyway, Jordan, continue. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, but yeah, I just there's a crazy high speed cop chase as I was like going through Giddings on the highway to Houston last week, but. Not super important. One thing I, I do, before we get out of the the portal talk for guys leaving Texas, I saw a lot of people on our board being like, "Man, he's he's weak minded, whatever. He's he's losing or he, he's leaving right before the playoff and leaving his brothers and stuff." Same with Xavier and Bryce. I saw a little bit of that, but like y'all got to realize the portal is closing January second, and while playing in the bowl game gives them five extra days, if Texas wins that game. When are those guys going to portal? When are they going to leave? And also, sure. like, spots are going to fill up, man. Like, they got to do what's best for them. And, again, I understand everyone saying it's weak for Catalan or whatever to do before the, the playoff. But, like, they got to do what's best for themselves at the end of the day. And if they're not, they're messing up, at least in my opinion. So, Hey, man, you're still, you're still going to get a Big 12 championship ring. So Exactly. And a natty ring if they win it. Yeah. So... Maybe get you a nice ring with one of those Sugar Bowl logos on it. Like, yeah. like the 2018 team got. Um, yeah, Cooter says Giddings to LaGrange. That's what I figured. I figured I was thinking 45 minutes. Cooter said 30 to 40. So it's not making it sound like you're driving across the state, Jordan. It's not that far. 
Bro, that's still pretty far to drive every day of school for four years. Like, um, okay. Yeah, there I'll are, give you that. Okay, I'll give you uh, that. Schools in South Dallas, whenever they take kids from Mesquite or the TAP schools or from Mansfield or from Fort Worth ISD or DISD, mm -hmm. they don't make them drive. They put them in an apartment or something. They don't make them drive. Like, there are obstacles that, that can be overcome. They could have been overcome for Mr. Dobbins, but, uh, you know, I guess it doesn't matter now. He's in the NFL, so. Yeah. J.K., hope, hope J.K.'s doing well. I know he's had his series of injury issues but in, in the NFL. If you, if you could, you should briefly summarize what happened with Texas, though, because I wasn't, I wasn't around then. I mean, they just – it was one of those that they kind of thought they had it in the bag – and they didn't. They were going to have to work a little bit. And uh, they had made a change at running backs coach. Uh, Tommy Robinson had left. Where did he go? Tommy went to LSU. I don't remember if that was when he went to LSU or A&M. But I think he went to LSU. But anyway, Tommy Robinson left. They hired Anthony Johnson. And the... The consistency and the volume of the communication was just inconsistent, and it just, you know, Ohio State showed they really wanted him, man. So it's, you know, it, it was hard. It was hard. There were some, if I remember right, there were some issues scheduling like a visit because I think they wanted him down there like by himself. So yeah, man, it's it was it was not a good recruitment, but. Um, yeah, J.K. told me about that on a couple different – great dude, by the way, too, J.K. Dobbins. Hey, somebody mentioned uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah, so, Jake, I'll say this, and I don't want to turn this into a dump on Tom Herman episode of It's Only an Hour, but um, uh, uh, apparently it was said in a staff meeting that uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Mims were both too small to play wide receiver for Tom Herman. Too small, Jordan. The NFL didn't think those guys were too small. But God, he's such a dumbass. They just—I got a Jackson Smith and Jigba rookie card set on my desk right now too. A little mosaic <laughs> green right there. But that is a nice little segue. Um, yeah, man, it's so so many Bosch recruitments. But you know, the Sark staff. What I what I like about the Sark staff. What I hope happens. And you talked about this uh, on a recent episode. So I'll let you re-rack your point. But I think hiring Jamal Finner as the director of high school relations, I think hiring Chris Gilbert allowed the Sark staff to kind of get their foot in the door in South Dallas where maybe Texas didn't have the best reputation. And that reputation comes and goes, man. Certain Texas staffs have done a really good job of connecting with schools uh, in that area. And then, and then it falls off and then some staffs don't. But uh, that, I think that allowed Texas to really get in good at, at Lancaster and South Oak Cliff and Duncanville and then kind of build some of those relationships. I think Rashad Samples working in Texas when he did also help with some of that. But bottom line is, man, Chris Gilbert was a really big hire for the parts of the Metroplex where Texas hasn't always been able to go in and, and get a leg up on recruiting kids. What I hope hiring Jamal Finner eventually does, especially, Jordan, you've been around here your whole life, man, with as much as this metro area is blowing up in Austin, there's just there's going there are going to be more and more kids that are capable of playing at Texas right in your backyard. And hopefully Jamal Fenner being hired because think about Jamal Fenner, man. He's, he's coach at LBJ. But what is the name for Reagan High School now? Is it Northeast is what they call the old Reagan High School? Yeah. Jamal Fenner was a Reagan guy. So he's he's about as Austin as you can get. And I think if he can open some of those doors, uh, especially kind of in central Austin and, and on the east side, where those doors haven't always been friendly to Texas and, and open for, for kids. And some kids haven't always wanted to go to Texas. If he can just allow the Sark staff to get their foot in the door and build those relationships, we know this staff can build relationships. Uh, hopefully that cuts down on the number of kids from the Austin area who feel the need to go somewhere other than Texas. Yeah. Um, Chris Gilbert. Do you think Jones had a private talk to someone? What? Oh, I don't no, know. I don't. There's no, yeah. <laughs> um, no uh, I don't even know if Jerry knows what year it is. So. So and I'm and I'm being trite when I say that. It's my terrible Jerry Jones impression. But go ahead, Jordan. My bad. All, Austin area prospects. 
Yeah. Um, no, first of all, um, Gilbert getting hired like, by like, Texas. You're like woes on the opening day of free agency, man. Like your phone, you just keep looking at the phone, like your phone's just going nuts. I've been I've been looking at mine too, because I've got mine on do not disturb, but I've missed I've missed some texts. So yeah. Um but no, but Gilbert was a huge hire for Texas. I mean, look, if I'm being honest, they don't get Anthony Hill if Chris Gilbert was never on that staff. Like I'm dead ass serious right now. There Texas does not have Anthony Hill on the team if Chris Gilbert is was not on that staff. Mm-hmm. He was humongous in that one. And he was big in a lot of the other South Dallas area kids' recruitments. Um, a huge part, though, too, while like I think Gilbert deserves a ton of credit for that, Jeff Banks, man, look at all the kids Bama pulled out of Texas uh, during, like, the strong Herman era, whatever. Jeff Banks is a primary for, like, a lot of those kids, over the majority of them, actually, over half of them. Mm-hmm. Um they love Banks. Like, coaches love Banks, especially uh, the ones in South Dallas. They rock with them heavy. Um, Fetter, on the other hand, from Austin, has never coached outside of Austin, uh, played at UTEP. But the the what, the type of hire that Fetter was is a lot different than Gilbert, I feel like. Gilbert was used for his connections, I guess. I mean, he had connections all over with how long he'd been coaching in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I feel like he was more of a weapon in recruiting than necessarily like recruiting the kids specifically than Fenner is. Now, Fenner coming out of LBJ when they got like so Mike called me like a month before they hired Fenner and it's like, hey, they're probably gonna hire Fenner. Mm-hmm. I remember telling him like that's a kick ass hire. Um, you know, he's one of the most respected, if not the most respected coaches in all high school football when he was there in Texas. Because here's the thing, I feel like a lot of y'all know LBJ's situation, but it's a very not a great part of town. Um, a lot of the kids there are below the poverty line. A lot of the kids on the team are below the poverty line. Um, and he was taking them to state. He took them to state in 2021. Then they got screwed by Austin ISD because Austin ISD wouldn't give them bus drivers, so they made them play in a 5A district, even though they barely have 4A numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but Fenner has had to overcome so much adversity with his kids and been coaching LBJ's inner city program and what he did there, like he earned the respect to everyone. And while Jason Todd at South Oak Cliff or coaches at Houston Lamar or the other programs are also getting a lot of respect, the respect level for Fenner was different because all the kids at LBJ were supposed to be there. He None of those kids he brought in, they were all homegrown kids that were supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. And while I'm not trying to discredit Sock or other inner city schools that have had success, a lot of them are not like that. Um, and so Fenner just, again, has a shit ton of respect in the Texas High School Coaches Association. And I feel like, you know, that's that's a huge win for them there um, and having them on staff. Yeah, I'll say this about Coach Fenner, too, uh, because, uh, you know, when I was when I was at the Horn, uh Craig, Craig called a lot of LBJ games. Craig Way did. Craig called a lot of LBJ games. And Craig and I actually would have Coach Fenner on on Fridays to do his his coaches show. And this is it's kind of weird. Most of it was because LBJ played a lot of Thursday games. So usually it was Friday. It was usually recapping a game. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, Jordan, you know, there are some high school coaches that if you get a group of them in a room, they, they don't have, all have nice things to say about maybe some of the more well-known coaches in the state. I haven't met a high school coach or heard high school coaches say anything bad about Jamal Fenner. And whenever they whenever they talk about him, it's nothing but just straight up respect that they have for him. Like, you yeah. don't that's not something you get from like if you're at coaching school and you hear coaches chirping around one of the bars down, downtown in San Antonio on the Riverwalk. Some of the some of the smack that gets talked about some of the coaches, it's not uh, it is smack, but not not about Jamal Fenner, man. It's just universal respect for that guy, like you said. Yeah, no, Fenner's a man, um, and a lot of people don't a lot of people don't know this. I mean, it's on the internet if you look for it. But um, in twenty twenty one, on Thanksgiving night, Fenner's son was shot and killed in Pflugerville, and he coached LBJ the next day, and they beat Bernie by like sixty points in the Alamo Dome. I was at the game. Um, and you know, that's incredibly hard to do. Um, and I already had respect for him, but I don't know if I respect anyone else more than Fenner after that. 
Um, and I know he never, ever, ever wanted to leave LBJ. He was going to die coaching LBJ. But, you know, I, I remember I was at the school um, whenever I had already heard that he was leaving to take the Texas job. And, you know, I asked him, you know, like, congrats, coach, everything. Like, I know it was hard to come to this decision. And it's like, it really was. And I don't want to leave, but it was just something I couldn't turn down. So I had to take right. it. Yeah, for I sure. was like, man, you got to do what you got to do. Um, so, and LBJ, they retained a lot of the success without him still. Um, but, you know, he those kids were very, very upset. They're happy for him, but they're upset that yeah. he wasn't going to be their coach anymore. And, like, he really – he's a builder of young men and everything like that. And I, I have a great Drew Makuba story uh, for him because they actually found Drew Makuba playing soccer in a drainage mm-hmm. ditch. At an apartment complex, his eighth grade year, and uh, wild, he was like, "Who the hell is that?" Um, and Drew was in the Reagan zone, and Drew uh, went to Reagan his freshman year, and then uh, his family moved into, or he moved into the LBJ zone, and uh, Reagan coaches were pretty upset, and uh, they tipped off the UIL and said, "Hey." Look at this address. They did, and no one was living there. And he had to sit out his whole sophomore year. And that sucked for Drew, but the type of guy he is, he's like, I'm not going to go play on JV and just destroy kids. Like, I'm sitting out. (laughs) So he sat out his whole sophomore year. But, uh, again, Fenner is basically the reason he ever started playing football. Um, So that's going to help Texas for sure, uh, his relationships there. Yeah, um, so just to kind of recap what we're talking about, the Jamal Fenner, Andrew McCuba stuff, we're talking about it because he is, uh, Andrew McCuba is in the portal. Jamal Fenner's not in the portal. Andrew McCuba's in the portal. Uh, Texas had Jalen Catalan enter the portal, so it could end up being a one-for-one trade. Uh, the bigger news, Jordan, let's, let's talk about some team stuff, though. You you can get uh, Jordan Hank, Hank South to keep you updated the latest on recruiting at Horns 24-7. Hey, if you're not a member on the site, get over there right now because we got our 60% off sale. You get 60% off of a yearly sub, monthly members. You can upgrade to the yearly sub for 60% off. So get over to the site. Take advantage of that right now, man. That is a great offer. You're not going to want to miss it, man. Portal season, early signing period, plenty of coverage from the Sugar Bowl. We'll have it all for you at Horns 24-7. But I do want to talk some team. Uh, and, and, again, it, it, it leads into the safety position. Uh, Chip Brown, Chip reported, and Chip and Zay will be on here later. Chip can talk about this Uh and Chip's got quotes from Greg Burks, the Big 12 coordinator of officials. Uh, he's heard from multiple people. And Derek Williams will have that targeting suspension. He will serve it in the first half of the Sugar Bowl against Washington. So, Jordan, are your, is your level of concern about as great as mine is now, knowing that with Catalan portaling, and granted, Catalan hadn't played much since the OU game anyway, but Catalan's in the portal. Derek Williams suspended for the first half. So, for at least the first two quarters of that game, It'll be up to Keaton Crawford, Jaron Thompson, and Michael Taff from keeping that Washington receiver core from getting over the top. Huge challenge, but man, this is a it's a pretty significant blow to say the least to be losing Derek Williams, who, in my opinion, is your best cover guy on the back end. To be losing him for the first half is uh, it, it could could be much better circumstances for you. I mean, I you, you the hope is that. You play the first half and you're either ahead or very much in it. And then he gets back on the field and you're off and running. But yeah, that his appeal was denied. So he'll serve that suspension in the first half of the bowl game, Jordan. Yeah. Um, first off, I see a lot of people saying Jod A should get moved to safety for the first half, at least. Got brought I, up in our, uh, our group text as a staff. Yeah. I understand that. Um, but uh, I had Houston tomorrow. I guess they've opened the room and apologies. Um, Shout out to Rod Babers, DB High. <laughs> yeah. And uh, shit, Arakpo was Lamar, right? Or am I wrong? Arakpo was Lamar. But you got Rod, Jerome Sapp, Drew Kelson, John Bonney, Holton Hill, Anthony Cook. Oh, yeah. A lot of really good DBs come out of Houston Lamar. Yeah. Hey, man, they made a run this year. They they upset uh, the Woodlands, actually, and I think went to uh, the third round. I, I, don't, I can't remember who knocked them out this year, but um, – but here's the thing with Jade, if they move him to safety, uh, that takes him away from being a nickel and mm-hmm. having to guard Jalen Polk. And Washington, like, abuses the shit out of whoever the nickel is. 
um, by just getting them in mismatch and stuff like that. So they need Jada to kind of stay at nickel because I don't think anyone Texas has anyone on the roster who can stay at nickel and hang with the yeah the receivers they use out of the slot. Um, to be honest, as good as Jada is, he hasn't been healthy these last few. He's not. He hasn't been one hundred percent these last few weeks. Um, hopefully, he can get one hundred percent healthy for the bowl game. But you know, there's also the element where maybe Texas could be like Jada. We don't think that. Like the the drop off in how you would be able to handle poke or the slot is much bigger than or is much smaller than it'd be like if we kept you here and had a really inexperienced safety whoop de whoop. Yeah, you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so, you know the the other place this hurts you too, um, where the, where this impacts you is the Austin Jordan injury, especially because Sark said on su- on Sunday after the selection show. He said he's really confident in Xavier Worthy being good to go, really confident that Ryan Watts will be good to go. Um, he said he'll just have to see how Austin Jordan recovers. That's, I mean, if you had Austin Jordan, you could kind of moneyball that nickel position depending on kind of maybe just give them a couple each, a couple series, and maybe find the hot hand between like Austin Jordan. Uh, Gavin Holmes can play some of that star position, and then obviously Gilbo, and then you could put Jade at safety. But now that's just this is one body where you don't have the luxury to do that now. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're going to have to they're really going to have to figure it out. Uh, I think Gilbo is the best option if they want to put Jada at safety in the nickel spots open. I think Gilbo is the best option there. Um, one guy that really hasn't been talked about at all that I'm really, really excited for his future is Warren Roberson, man. I doubt Holby mm-hmm. who they lean on in this situation, but like. I feel very strongly that Warren Roberson is going to play in the NFL. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me let me stop you right there, okay? I just want to let everybody know. Jordan is like the most glass-half-empty, pessimistic guy when you're talking about evaluating guys, like on a practice field. Like, Jordan won't hesitate to tell you. He won't sugarcoat it, man. He'll, he'll, I'm not going to say who he was talking about, but <laughs> Jordan went to a couple Texas Texas camp practices. Like, man, that dude, I don't see that dude playing. I don't think he's very good. Uh, so for Jordan to compliment somebody, we were uh, we were actually sitting, went over to the LBJ library to work after practice, and we were all just kind of sitting around and you know writing, and we got done writing, and we're like, well, so what everybody thinking? Jordan was like, man, I'll tell you who really stood out, Warren Roberson. I'm like, all right, I noticed Warren Roberson too, but if Jordan did as pessimistic and glass half empty as he's been on a lot of other guys, if he if he noticed Warren Roberson, then yeah, my eyes did not lie about how good Warren Roberson was. Yeah, man. Warren just, bro, he got that dog in him. And Texas needs more people with that dog in him. Um, but, yeah, Warren, he's, like, hyper competitive. And one thing, too, I mean, I obviously wasn't able to write about it because I was covering Baylor at the time whenever Texas got Warren. But sick of them bears. Warren, yeah, no. <laughs> Warren um, and Malik Muhammad are, like, two of the most competitive people I've ever met in my life. Um and talking to sources, like practices are effing crazy with those guys because they want to – they're competing against each other. And, like, Warren is – he knows he's on the bench, but, like, he is, he's expecting to play and start every game. Like, that's his – kind of the mindset. Um, mm-hmm. He has the right mindset. also think he's a damn good player. Um, okay, AM is going to hire the Duke O-line coach. And the cornerbacks coach. Interesting. Oh, um, so there's no, there's no, no room at the end for Steve Adazio in College Station anymore. <laughs> no, um, but no, Warren's got that dog in him. I really like him uh, as a nickel. I think he can also play safety or just straight up corner. He's really aggressive. He has wide shoulders too, um, and he hits the shit out of people. He's not afraid to hit people. He's built like a linebacker as well. Um, so I really think he could be the next Jade for the defense in terms of just being a tone setter and a dog. Um, so they could lean on him. Larry Turner Gooden, I've never been able to actually see him play in person outside of like the fall camp windows we were given. Uh, mm-hmm. He was hurt at the All American Bowl whenever he committed to Texas. Yep. Um, Jelani McDonald, he was always like a freak athlete, and we had him ranked high because it's what he could be potential wise. Um, yeah. Like he's just really starting to scratch the surface of, of his, of his potential. And um, if he pans out, like he, he's going to be a first rounder. That's the type of 
talent and athleticism that he has, um, but I'm not sure if he's ready to play in the college football playoff as a true freshman. I just I'm not sure. So yeah, I'm very Jelani, very curious and interested Jelani's to already, see. Yeah, he's he's listed at 198, Jordan. He looks bigger than that, and that's my thing with him is like long term. I don't think you'll see much of him on the field in this game because you haven't seen it this year. I mean, I. Unless he just unless he just balls out in bowl practices and the staff got kind of forces their hand to play him, they probably just roll with what they've got. But long term, I said this earlier in the show, I don't know what his position is long term. Like, can he cover well enough to play that star position? Uh, can he can he run? Can, is he instinctive enough to stay at safety? I definitely don't think he's a corner. Uh, you know, if he if he at one point you look up and he's 220, 225 pounds, is he a spin down linebacker candidate? You know, so yeah, it's, yeah. I I wanted to go ahead. Sorry, that that was my main concern on him coming out of high school was because like the main thing he played at Connolly was QB, just because like usually schools below four four A or below, it's like you're our best athlete, you're the quarterback, um, and that's what <laughs> happened. Um, yeah, so he played mostly QB, and then on defense they'd stick him in on like third and long, and it'd just be like, don't let him get a first down. Mm-hmm. And he he wouldn't really play anything. It was just like his position was don't let him get a first down. Yeah. Um, now he obviously had extensive defensive experience as well, but he never really truly focused on one position. He was also a big time basketball player and track star, so it's not like he was working on it in the offseason either. Like he right. was always super super raw as a prospect coming in. Like Texas knew what they were getting themselves into. Um, I think. I think he could be like a really good big physical nickel. I think best case scenario um, is if he kind of remember Isaiah Simmons at Clemson when Clemson was really winning a bunch. Oh yeah, yeah. Something in that role. I think he's a type of athlete that can do that. Um, I don't know Jelani super well. I didn't actually talk to him a ton at all um, during his high school days. But to play that position like Isaiah Simmons did, you got to have it between the ears. Um, yeah. And again, th- this is not because I haven't told anything. It's just like a lot of players don't have it between the ears. I'm not sure if Jelani McDonald is a player who does or doesn't have it. Um, but I think he could be successful enough in that position. I um, also think he could be a damn good linebacker. I think he'd be a perfect modern-day like rover. Um, I mean, DeMarvin Overshone spun down, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and as physically gifted as Overshawn was coming out of high school, like, man, there are only so few athletes that are the type of caliber that Jelani McDonald is that we see every year, and he's one mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. So. Um, and, and with the guys that have that athlete tag, I think Overshawn, to a lesser extent, Overshawn fell into this because I think everybody saw the, that position switch coming at some point. But just knowing the Texas history over the years – you take guys as athletes and like a lot of times you'll tell yourself as a staff and I've talked to college coaches who have thought this like, hey, man, we'll just take him and figure out where he plays. Well, that's fine. But, you know, for every, you know, for every Curtis Brown or, uh, you know, who, who else would be a good comparison? Like a Quandre Diggs where you figure out kind of where where to put them and it works. Uh, you know, you end up with you can end up with the a DeMarco Cobbs or a Drew Kelson, which for like, for whatever, for one reason or another, an OJ McClintock back in the day where you never, you never really figure out. They're so versatile that you, and they move positions so much that you never really figure out where they best fit. And then you look up and the guy's out of eligibility and, oh man, we never really got a home for this guy. Never really figured it out. So uh, I do see a point a, a thing in the the chat about Jelani McDonald in that rover hybrid safety role, like J. Ron Curse or Marquise Bell with the Cowboys. It's a little bit different because some coaches want something different in their nickel defender. You know, Todd Orlando and his nickel, and I think to an extent Chris Ash, they the nickel they wanted had more safety characteristics. Uh, PK traditionally has liked the nickel that can cover. They want more of a of a corner skill set at that star position more so than like the safety linebacker hybrid. That's why, I mean, they don't use hybrids. I mean, if you look at it, like Maurice Blackwell, I know you watched more of him Jordan in college than I did, but Maurice Blackwell, like I felt like if Texas wanted to, they could kind of make him their version of Jalen Petrie, like just a, a, a big nickel that can run and can cover and can do a lot of different things. 
But instead of doing that, they just straight up spun him down to linebacker. And we see now Mo Blackwell starting to figure it out. So, and, and him being healthy is a big part of that. But I don't, I say all that to say, I don't think, I don't think PK's into the, the, the kind of linebacker safety hybrids, kind of the big nickel. I think he wants that corner skill set more at nickel. And then if you're that big, you're probably just making that transition to linebacker. Yeah. I also like, and I mean, we didn't really talk about this, but uh, like Jelani could be a menace if, uh, He's getting moved around, like in terms of rushing the passer. Mm-hmm. He's faster and explosive than hell. Like he's gonna, he's gonna get in the backfield. Um, Blackwell, I've always liked Mo a lot. Um, and if I remember correctly, wasn't there some problems with him gaining weight originally, and so they were gonna move him back away from linebacker? He's obviously mm-hmm. back now, but yeah, he. Uh, I think. Oh man, uh, you know. This I, I kept hearing his freshman year in 21 that the staff really liked him and, and they had him at linebacker. And then it was pregame one. I, I might have been like the, the UTSA game last year that I look up and like, dude, I'm like, Mo Blackwell's with the safeties. It's like they had moved him back. But then by the end of the year, they had moved him. They had spun him back down to linebacker and. Uh, the Kansas game was the first game where I really noticed it, where he was kind of more, they used him kind of like how they use him on third down. Now they kind of mm-hmm. just went to almost what you would call like a jumbo dime package where he's on the field with Overshone and Jalen Ford, but he's, he's not really playing at linebacker depth all the time. They did move him around a lot. So I think for him, it's just a matter of PK figuring out, okay, where can we use this guy? And I think you go in next year, man, I think your two starting starting linebackers are going to be Mo Blackwell and, uh, and Anthony Hill when you get to spring ball. I mean, that David Benda could come back. And, and I think, I feel like that would, if Benda came back, that would fill your need for having to go get a linebacker in the portal. Or maybe you, if there's a guy with multiple years left, Maybe you go get one anyway, and I, I do want to hit on linebacker real quick. But, yeah, I think Jordan's just been they, – they just haven't figured out really kind of where he best fits, but I, I do think they've got it figured out now with that third down. Yeah. Back. Yeah, and honestly, we might have just figured out the answer for Texas needing a safety in the first half. <laughs> Not really, but – Yeah, another thing – Yeah, and this is – I can't remember if we talked about this, but I noticed in the Tech game uh, there are a few plays when Jade was just – at boundary. And I'm not sure if that's because the, the Ryan Watts injury when he left in like the first play. Um, but Jade can also play corner. So maybe they want to make Terrence Brooks or Malik Muhammad a safety. I doubt it. Maybe they want to make uh, him a yeah, safety. I don't, think, I don't think that's the answer. I don't think that's the answer. And, and Jade at corner, Jade's good at corner, but I, you saw in the Oklahoma State game the kind of matchups where at corner he's going to struggle where – if you just yeah. have a bigger body guy like Rashad, basically that's that's what Oklahoma I'd like to take just, a lot of credit for saying Texas is going to struggle with Rashad Owens if Watts is out, it, and that's and, what happened. And, and that's because that that would have been a that was a matchup right in Ryan Watts's wheelhouse. I mean, if you if you just want to put a big you know six two six three jump ball receiver on Ryan Watts, dude, he will jam that guy all day long, and and he'll be fine. Um, but for today, I mean, at the end of the day. I love Jade, but Quandre had the same problem. At the end of the day, Quandre was like 5'8". At the end of the day, Jade's like 5'9". So there's only so much you can do when you're trying to contest a 50-50 ball against a 6'3 receiver who can actually go high point the football. Um, I do want to talk about linebacker real quick, Jordan, before Trey and BK jump in here because Jeff Choate's taking the Nevada job. Um, I've got Mm. some thoughts on on linebacker, just not necessarily who they're targeting yet because we're still trying to figure all that out. Like a, a name like Bob Gregory, who's at Stanford right now, that worked with PK for a long time at Boise and Washington, I think makes a lot of sense. But, you know, and, and that's just one name and we'll have more names. But to me, I think more so than finding a guy who's like a, I hate this term, but like a rainmaker recruiter, like a dude that just has a reputation for being a badass recruiter. I think the Texas brand where it is now and the NIL advantage Texas has, I think more often than not, like, it's easier to attract play for players to be attracted to Texas now where you don't have to go like go out and beg guys or really sell yourself or the scheme or the program or whatever. Um, I think development for your linebackers coaches, get you a damn good ball coach that can develop linebackers because of what we talked about Jordan yesterday, when we talked about Jeff Choate at that point, it was looking like he was taking the job. It just hadn't been finalized yet. Now that it's final, we know he's staying with Texas uh, until Texas is out of the CFP, whether that's after the Sugar Bowl or, or through the national championship game. 
I think, though, with Samaje Burrell and Anthony Hill and Leonga LaFowle, Darian Gallette, and any of those other young guys that are going to be a linebacker, if Jelani McDonald's a spin-down guy, the staff has done a tremendous job of reshaping that room to where now you've got the body types and the potential for the next two, three years until you can get another cycle of recruits in to have the kind of off-ball linebackers that are going to allow you not just to succeed in the SEC, but to succeed in 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 any matchup you play because they are the body types and the skill sets of what modern day off ball linebackers should be. You can't waste that, man. So if I'm PK and Sark, that's the main thing I got to look for. I got to find me a damn good ball coach who I know can develop guys, get guys ready to get guys to hit their ceilings and get guys ready to go play in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I think I agree with what you said. And I feel like the staff has already, shown it like they're not going to go out and just try to get a uh, rainmaker recruiter. Um, this argument's going to kind of contradict itself because you could just use what they did a year earlier to fill the position. But like Chris Jackson, like he had absolutely no recruiting experience, none at all. And mm-hmm. where he's what he's done so far, you know, landing number five player in the country, Ryan Wingo, not too shabby, um, not too shabby at all. And you know, the argument that contradicts that is that they hired Marion, but at the same time, Marion had a bullet in a cough winter the year before. So, well, um, but it's it, it's different though, because I said the same thing last year when they did hire Chris Jackson was look, man, you've got Jontae Cook, you've gotten Ryan Niblett and, you know, DeAndre Moore signed. So when you went out and looked for a receivers coach, man, I don't need, I don't, and, and at the time we were talking about too, man, can you, you know, can you get the most out of Xavier Worthy? Can you help him bounce back? And, you know, can you, you know, another year with Jordan Whittington? And then we were still talking about Isaiah Nayer at that point coming off the injury. I mean, the bottom line for me was, man, you've got talent in that room. You, you need somebody that can develop it because I, you know, granted, you had quarterback inconsistency in 22 just from the standpoint of, uh, you know, when Quinn hit that wall uh, after the Oklahoma game and really against Oklahoma State and, and TCU where he wasn't very good. And I, he, he would even tell you that at this point. Uh, and you funneled so many targets through Xavier Worthy. And I think the telltale sign of what Sark thought about the receiver position and kind of where they were, they ran a ton of 12 personnel. I mean, Sark's having 12 personnel anyway, but they ran a ton of it in 2022 and just basically doubled down on, look, we got this advantage of maybe having the best backfield in the country. Let's just get what we can out of Roshan and Bijan and kind of sprinkle in, you know, the other receiver talent wherever we can. Uh, They didn't run a lot of, they didn't hardly run any 10 personnel. They even didn't run a ton of 11 personnel. Uh, So you needed to get more of that receiver. You needed a guy that can develop. So I I think Jordan, you're uh, what you said is true about Brendan Marion, because I think, I felt like they needed to upgrade the talent in that room. And in the one cycle, Brennan Marion was at Texas. He did it. But similar to the Chris Jackson hire, I think the linebackers coach hire has got to be somebody that can just man, just go out and coach ball and just develop guys. Man, you're, that room is too freaking talented. If we're, not, if we're not sitting here in two years talking about Anthony Hill being ready to be, you know, a top 50-ish pick in the draft, then something went terribly wrong. Yeah. Um, no, one thing I want to talk about just for that as so BK Jordan, coach, we get ready for a train BK, but go ahead, Jordan. Sorry, yeah. Um, I talked to a source last night who told me that PK is going to be the one in charge of the hire. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember the way the staff was put together, I'm pretty sure that Choate was the only defensive player that had ever coached with PK prior. Um, coach he knew his yeah. deep, mm-hmm. he, he knew his defense well. And uh, exactly how he likes to run it, different names for stuff. And, you know, three years into this tenure, I don't think they're looking to bring someone in that they have to teach them how to wipe their ass and all this different stuff. So that said, I fully expect uh, the hire to be someone that PK has coached over before, coached with before. Yeah. Uh, Also, you know, that kind of narrows it down to some West Coast guys. But I would fully expect the hire to be someone that's coached with PK before. So that, that definitely helps us narrow it down to some names, but Bob Gregory to me makes a lot of sense. I don't know if he's going to be the guy, but he makes a lot of sense. I'd like to go on the record guys as saying it's a terrible idea to allow BK to make that linebackers coach hire. Brad Kellner doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. (laughs) College football coaches. So leave that to the professionals, please. BK, would, 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 would you require it? And I don't even know if this is legal in our state that a, uh, a position coach coaching for you would have to share the same faith 
No, not a requirement at all. I'm trying to win okay. games. So okay, cool. I'm trying to avoid Jewish players yeah. and coaches, I think, uh, if, if I want to be successful here. He's the most famous Jewish college football coach or football coach of all time, BK. Ooh. Eli Drinkwitz. Ooh, yes. I'm sure we have somebody better than that, but he's an active Jewish coach that I know about, and Mizzou is pretty good this year. So, Dude, as a KU guy, it's got to pain you to admit that, right? Uh, yeah, it does, but, you know, they duck playing Kansas every year, so that's all right. They had the chance to play Kansas in the bowl game last year, and they didn't do it. Um, it's it's kind of Texas, Texas A&M-like, where there have been opportunities to play in football, and, I mean, you could point fingers at both sides, of course, but it just hasn't gotten done. So, um, yeah, Dick Butkus, he'd be my hire. Is he still around? What's he doing? Uh, if, you, if Dick Butkus is coaching for you, sir, then we'd have a hell of a story on our hands. Oh, I'm going to need hologram Dick Butkus. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, yeah. you're going to need hologram Dick Butkus. Uh-huh. Um, man. Red Auerbach, he's still alive. He was a good coach. Yeah, yeah, gonna need gonna need hologram hologram Vince Lombardi could could do some do some damage. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize this, but I think the correct answer for the best Jewish football coach of all time is Vince Lombardi. His birth name was Vince Lombardowitz, and uh, he changed his name just to be able to get ahead in the sport. So uh, BK, I think that's the best answer going forward. Thank you for letting me know. You learn something new about your own faith every day, boys. Yes, CB mentions in the chat Bruce Pearl is Jewish. BK, I don't know if I'd if I'd claim that one. That uh... he he does sweat the correct amount to be one of us. <laughs> oh is, my god! 